If hammer I must, I'm going to get through your crust, going to chip that stone away. Welcome, everyone, to Backtracks, Aerosmith Revisited. My name is Corey Morissette, joined, as always, by the sexiest man in podcasting. And, man, he's got his Barry White going, voice going for you tonight. It's the one and only Scott Kahaskin. How are you doing, Scott? Oh, I'm doing great, Corey. How are you? Oh, man. The, the ladies <laughs> are all a flutter, I tell you. Hey, if any are still listening, I, I know we got a we got a one star review on our show saying we were too negative, but th- the last two songs we put on the mixtape, so we're not all bad, right? Well, you know, I think it's it's weird if we were, uh, you know, if we were just bitching every single show, I could see it. But when we have a song that's uh, that's just awful, we're going to talk about it and we're going to be honest about it. And when we have a song that's great, we're going to be honest and talk about that. So it, it really is just going to depend on how much we like the song. Aerosmith, like every other band uh, in the history of rock music, is not perfect. Uh, they Wait, have blemishes. What? Yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, ACDC is the only perfect one because they've done the same shit uh, over and over again, and it's really good every single time. But uh, I don't even <laughs> like every Debbie Gibson song. And if I can say that, that is something. I mean, everybody has the right to be flawed. I don't like every Van Halen song. I do a, a podcast on yeah. them too, and there's like five or six that I've downvoted on that one. It's just. It's just a fact. Sometimes things get in the way. Sometimes you put out a, a shit song to, to fill out an album or, or what have you. And, you know, Aerosmith have a huge discography, so they're bound to throw in the odd stinker. But for, for the most part, uh, I love this band and I love their, their, their catalog of songs. And Scott's just kind of, you know, getting kind of reintroduced to Aerosmith. You knew your permanent vacations, your toys in the attic. But uh, this far into the show, Scott, would you say you've become more of an Aerosmith fan or less of one from the songs we've heard thus far? That's a great question. Um, I was actually looking at over, you know, the list and because I don't mem- you know, have all the songs memorized, I hear them, you know, when we talk about them and I make notes so that I, I know how to vote on them. Um, but I would say I, I like them more than I don't at this point, because we've we've had some rough runs of like three weeks in a row where we've had just songs that really didn't click for me. Uh, and then recently we've had a really good run. So I'm excited to see where we land tonight. That's right. We got six great songs on our dice to pick from tonight. But before we do, uh, we're going to tell you folks a little bit about Pop Rock and Radio. Ken Knapsack's Pop Rock and Radio, the big hits, album cuts, and B sides from the rock and pop world that make up the soundtracks of our lives. Look for live shows and make requests. Sing, dance, and celebrate the music with the Pop Rock and Radio community. You might find myself in the chat when uh, Ken's recording sometime. You might find one John Mariano uh, in there as well. Uh, and we're, we're going to get Scott uh, in there too, but he's working a lot of weird hours lately. So Scott's usually in bed and actually he was in bed today when it came time to record. So, but he's here, he's half awake, he's sipping on a coffee and he's going to tell you folks all about the Deep Dive Podcast Network. Wait, what? M- remember those guys? <laughs> yeah, no, you know what, Corey, I, I, I'll just, you know, pull, pulling back the curtain. I'm working some incredibly bizarre hours right now where I kind of work around the clock and I sleep in little chunks here and there and uh normally i'm pretty good about making all my scheduled events and and i i feel bad i i apologize in front of the fans to Corey for uh making him stare at the screen without me in it and while people would normally celebrate that uh not when we're trying to record a show so Corey, i'm sorry um but we're gonna make a great show tonight i tell you what you were uh so late i almost started another podcast so you just <laughs> you just got in in time i, I almost started a fifth one so 
yeah, I, I'm sure that's forthcoming. <laughs> but, but before I get into the to the Deep Dive Podcast Network, because you're not officially on the list yet, but you will be after today, um, why don't you tell us about your new show? That's right, the new show. It's going to be dropping on Tuesdays with uh, the legendary Kevin Brown. It's called The Ultimate Catalog Clash. Uh, what we did is we came up with a grading system uh, for, for, for different songs and different albums. Uh, and uh, we decided each season is going to be a different artist discography. And what we're going to do is we're going to go through every album. So every episode of the show is going to be a side of an album of theirs. So this first season is actually Phil Collins era Genesis. So we're starting with a trick of the tail. So our first proper episode will be side A of a trick of the tail. Next one will be side B. And then we go into wind and withering. Then we go to and then there were three all the way through to uh, we can't dance. We're grading every track on the following criteria. We give it uh, a possible 10 points for music, possible 10 points for lyrics, and a possible five points for production. So what we do is we average all the uh, grades that we give each thing on, on e each side, add them all together. Uh, I'm going to have a final grade out of 50 points. Uh, Kevin's going to have one out of 50. We combine them together. We get a final album grade out of 100. And we're going to determine which album is the ultimate in the ultimate catalog of that specific artist. It's uh, kind of my, my favorite little bits of deep dive podcast uh, shows and my favorite little bits of Food Network cooking competitions kind of mashed all together. I, I really love this idea of taking different pieces from the shows that we do, like people have taken your idea of the wheel spinning from and the podcast will rock, for example, and just everybody does things a little bit differently, though. I mean, this is incredibly unique. While, while they seem similar in a lot of ways, because they're all, you know, most, or mostly rock band deep dive podcasts, but they, they all kind of have their own spin. Some are solo shows, some have two people, some have four people. And, you know, you really get a, a wide variety of bands that are covered, too. For example, apart from our back, uh, Backtracks Aerosmith show right here that you're listening to, Corey, you and uh, John, our old lost friend here, do a show called Backtracks Theme Music. And of course, Corey, the, in the Corey verse, the trifecta used to be a third show called And the Podcast Will Rock. That's still going. And now, of course, we have Kevin and Corey at the Ultimate Catalog Clash, which is just going to be amazing. I'm so looking forward to that. Uh, I do a little show called Uriah Heap, the Magician's Podcast. That migration has completed. Everything is done. Uh, nothing is going to change. I'm waiting for the band to maybe make another album or something, and I'll have some new episodes coming your way. But in the meantime... Plenty of stuff to listen to. You can also listen to Nate and John at the Deep Purple Podcast, The Simple Man at Skinner Reconsidered, Terry T-Bone Mathley at T-Bone's Prime Cuts on the other side. He's the chairman of this whole crazy network. We have Riot Sabbath Bloody Podcast, Paul, Joe, and David at In the Lap of the Pods. We have Andy and Matt at Hawk Binge, Eric and Jonathan at Maiden A to Z, Daniel and Josh at The Diary of the Mad Men, The Ultimate Aussie Podcast. We have Ben and Sam at Universally Speaking, the Red Hot Chili Peppers podcast. George and Hattie do a show called the Judas Priest cast. We have Clay and Riot North but South podcast. Greg, Jonathan at So Far, So Pod, So What, our Megadeth show. We have Kevin at the Tom Petty Project, the same Kevin that works with Corey on the Ultimate Catalog Clash. Kevin does another show with his buddy, Randy, at the Seaside Pod Review. Uh, okay, so now Kevin's caught up to me with how many podcasts he does, <laughs> and you're one ahead of me, so... I need to find a project. <laughs> then uh, I got ideas. I, I know you do. <laughs> we have Sav, Nick, Steve, and Mark at the Rock Roulette Podcast. Uh, Chaz and Greg at Regarding Lulu. And then, uh, of course, not to be forgotten, our friends Sean Geek and Fast Brett and Eric at Booked on Rock. 
That's right. You know, I was thinking it's been a while, Scott, since we've had a guest on the show. And I'm looking at John Matola's uh, dice that he uh, brought forward when he was on the show. He had some unique songs on there, like One Way Street, Chiquita, Taste of India, Hardstone Time, and Walk On Down. Maybe you should, uh, you know, use your connections and in, in try and uh, see if you can get old John back on the old program here. I think I will do that very thing. I'm writing that on my board right now. Um, and I don't think we've covered anything that was on his dice, have we? He's still pretty open. Well, uh, the one we did, uh, Bright Light Fright, is the one right. that we spun when he was on the show. Mm-hmm. So uh, he would only have to add one more uh, track uh, to finish off his dice. Yeah. Okay, I'll reach out to him. I'm sure he'd love to come back. And we got a lot of a lot of other uh, former guests, like Kevin Brown. Uh, maybe I can get uh, Mark Meyer back on here. He had a dice uh, going. Uh, Janie's Got a Gun uh, came off his dice. Uh, yeah. So maybe get him back on the show. And uh, Heath McCoy is another one I'd really like to get back. Uh, he loves Aerosmith. Uh, I think he'd be another really, really good one. So uh, oh, yeah. let, let, let's all, uh, we'll, we'll put a pin in that. Maybe in the coming weeks we'll have some guests for you. But right now, Scott and I are going to talk about a little Aerosmith track. And uh, if you're an Aerosmith fan, this is an exciting time because they're getting ready uh, for the big uh, farewell tour. Uh, and they're releasing new merch. Actually, I got a notification this week that they they're, they released the Rocks collection of like old vintage t-shirts, uh, some newer stuff uh, from the album Rocks. And they released the Toys in the Attic uh, collection a couple of weeks ago. So if you're a fan of either of those albums, man, uh, hit up the uh, the Aerosmith store. And, uh, you know, I might be getting myself a new uh, T-shirt or two. I know you're a fan of Toys in the Attic. I could see you uh, in a T-shirt for, from that era with the Toys in the Attic album art on it. That could happen. I'm a big fan of that album cover. Um, there's just so much going on. It's such a visual album cover. I, I, and surprisingly, I like the cover to Rocks as simple as it is. And, and it really does kind of make its own statement. It really does, and especially coming after Toys in the Attic. Because Toys in the Attic, like you said, I think it's one of the best covers in rock history. Yeah. Uh, you know, very elaborate and stuff. But to go from that to the simplicity of rocks, you know, just, just five diamonds because they're, they're five gems, right? And put them on the front, I thought was absolutely brilliant. So you get yourself a Toys in the Attic t-shirt, I'll get a rocks t-shirt, and we'll meet up in Vegas one night. Sounds great to me. And uh, Aerosmith, unfortunately, is not coming to Vegas. Um, I, you know, and I, I guess I understand that because they had done their residency for a while, even though they had to cut it short. Uh, I thought maybe they would have done one more stop here for the people that couldn't make it, uh, you know, when the, the tickets got canceled. Uh, but they've got a pretty healthy looking final tour. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So if you get a chance to, to check them out, uh, in your neighborhood, by all means do so. It's going to be the last time, uh, that, that, that you can do it, uh, unless they, they, they pull a kiss and just keep doing retirement tours until they're 90, but. <laughs> uh, they say it's the last time uh, I tend to believe uh, I don't think they're one of those acts that are going to be like that's it we're done and then two years later come back a la Motley Crue a la Kiss a la you know really pick a pick a band at this point it seems like they've all done it I think they'll do a performance some, at something big like maybe a Super Bowl or, or you know some kind of thing but I don't think they'll tour again yeah I, I agree with that maybe do like a one off in Vegas or something or even a residency that's not really a tour yeah. Uh, you know, if they can get Joey back in the fold, mm-hmm. uh, residencies are great, especially for older bands, because you don't have to be moving your shit around. You just got to, you know, set up spot, uh, set up a spot in the MGM. Uh, you could stay right in the hotel. All your shit's there. You just wander down, do the show, wander back upstairs. Uh, it works really, really well. So hopefully, hopefully it's not the end end uh, for Aerosmith. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Speaking of residencies, I believe Tesla is on their way. I think they're uh, one of our next residencies here in Vegas. Oh, you got to check them out, my friend, if Tesla's are. I saw them open for Def Leppard in 2018, 2019, somewhere in there. They were phenomenal. I love Tesla. Yeah, and they've got such a great opening song for their set. I mean, if they don't start with coming at you live, they shouldn't be there. 
Exactly. Uh, I tell you what, uh, uh, on the Haskin Cast podcast, if you ever want to do uh, uh, great radio uh, controversy uh, by Tesla, I'm in. Or even the Five Man Acoustical Jam, one of the best live albums uh, of all time, in my estimation. So uh, Scott's getting out his scratch pad. He's going to write two more notes. Mm-hmm. Corey yeah, needs more podcasts. Do Tesla. <laughs> Corey wants to do a podcast. <laughs> Stop the presses. <laughs> I got to memorialize that. Some. I'm going to get my glitter pen out. <laughs> Okay. Oh, this is permanent. That's big time. The glitter <laughs> pen. Holy cow. All right, folks. Uh, I alluded to the dice. Let's go over the songs we have on there. Currently on the dice, we have Jig is Up from Rockin' a Hard Place, Home Tonight, We All Fall Down, Out of Your Head, Roadrunner, and Something was the new song Scott Haskin put on the die last week. Scott, is there anything in particular you're kind of hoping to, to roll here tonight? I'm, uh, I, you know, we all fall down sounds really good to me. Uh, I when when you said it, it reminded me of that. Uh, I don't even know what the song is, but I can hear a bunch of children singing. Uh, you know, we all fall down with a snare drum. Um, I, I'm not placing the song at the moment, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm gonna go for that one. All right, we all fall down was a Diane Warren uh, written song from uh, music from another dimension. So uh, that that's one John had put on the dice before uh, he exited the show. So. Uh, I'm I'm kind of thinking that one would be okay. Uh, I'm, I want to hear Jig is Up uh, from Rockin' a Hard Place, because that's an album we haven't really touched yet. And that's the one without Brad Whitford and uh, Joe Perry. And it had some interesting music on it. So that's kind of what I'm hoping for tonight. But it's all up to the dice. Let's throw it over to Steven Tyler and get this thing a-rolling. And we come up with Home Tonight. All right, uh, this is going to be a good one. Uh, this one's from Rocks, of course, and uh, the, not one of the the more uh, you know wildly known songs uh, from Rocks. Uh, do you know anything about uh, Home Tonight? I do not. Um, I know that Home to You is one of my favorite Uriah Heap songs. If that helps, uh, it does. If as I'm trying to get more into Uriah Heap, I'll have to put that on my scratch pad. But uh, th- this is actually the the final cut on uh, Rocks, uh, released in uh, 1976. Uh, it's a big uh, power ballad uh, from Rocks, and it was also a single, uh, actually, from that album. So uh, if this one is going to go on a mixtape, it is going to be going on the single side of things. But, um, you know, we, we, we talked about Rocks quite a bit. We even talked about it at the head of the show here. Uh, pretty great album. And, and this is the album Closer. Uh, kind of rare to kind of end things off with a ballad. But... Um, well, you tell me if it worked or not. I don't know. I, I don't want to tip my hand too much here, but uh, knowing what you know about rocks, are you looking forward to this one here, my friend? Yeah, you know, I'm. I'm really. Uh, I, I don't want to judge whether I I might or might not like a song by what else I feel about the album. Um, I really want to just be open minded with every individual song because even if I hate nine songs on an album, there might be one I absolutely love. And every time that we spin the dice, this could be one. All right, so let's go all the way back to 1976 and home tonight.
Uh, so far, a great way to end the album with the lyrics, now it's time to say goodnight to you, now it's time to bid you a sweet adieu. Yeah, you know, this almost makes me feel like it's a concept album with an ending like this. You know, like it was uh, like a soundtrack to a theatrical production or or something like that. Um, I like the feel of it. It's kind of um, got a little bit of You See Me Crying in it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that kind of feeling to it. But I really like the piano sound because I think he's playing an electric piano here. And it sure I, sounds I, like it, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah I, I really like that choice. Uh, me too, especially coming off rocks, uh, considered uh, rightly so as one of the greatest rock albums of all time. And uh, definitely has a harder edge to it uh, than Toys in the Attic. So you mentioned You See Me Crying. This is kind of the the rocks version of, of You See Me Crying, mm-hmm. which I always thought was kind of cool. I wonder if they were trying to do something thematic because they ended uh, Toys in the Attic with You See Me Crying, and then they come out with rocks and they're ending it with this. I wonder if they were trying to do like every one of our albums is going to end with this kind of song or uh, and then quickly gave that up. <laughs> well that's kind of interesting uh we'll have to look delve deeper into that one maybe because the one after rocks is draw the line and the last track on draw the line was milk cow blues uh so so not really a ballad so much it is an old blues song so yeah they they, they did it for two albums then gave it up yeah well I, I i like what i'm hearing so far This is just Aerosmith uh, firing on all cylinders. And, and this is when you think Aerosmith, you're thinking like, you know, great bluesy licks. Uh, you're thinking the Demon of Scream and the Toxic Twins. And you're thinking great, like kick ass power ballads like this. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Steven is just singing at the top of his game here. I'm loving these little fill ins that we're getting on guitar. Um, that really, that last part was interesting because it felt almost like a bridge. Than a chorus, you know, with that long drag out, it felt more like a transition. Um, but the one thing that's interesting is that this is one song where so far I'm like, the bass is pretty normal, just just standard. Oh yeah, you know. And your your first comment wasn't kick ass bass line, right? <laughs> right exactly. Uh, but that's okay because for a song like this, you don't need everybody to be doing something interesting. This is really about that pocket and just staying in that pocket and letting letting things come and go as they do. But you don't need to overplay anything on this. And uh, the, the guitarist to me in this one is a real standout, aside from Steven. Uh, and also kind of ironic, uh, comparing it to You See Me Crying, uh, where both guitarists take a solo. Uh, Brad uh, plays the first and the outro solo in You See Me Crying. And uh, in uh, this song here, he, he's taking the first solo as well. Mm. Yeah, I, I like when they when they play off of each other like that, because every time that I can recall them doing it, we've always said that was pretty cool.
So that was Brad Whitford. And what I love about a Brad Whitford solo is it's very uh, technically proficient. Uh, like it, it's very sharp, like everything's right on, uh, you know, very well executed. Whereas a Joe Perry solo is more by feel. Like it's maybe a little sloppier, a little bluesier, but that's cool too. And that's why they're such a great tandem uh, at guitar in this band. I love that solo though. That was fantastic. I like solos like this because they they just keep the emotion of the song going. They're not trying to be flashy. They're not saying, hey, I want to let you know I'm having a solo over here. They're very much, um, I'm just playing the feel of the song while there's no vocal. And I think he does a great job. I, I think that's perfection. So since we switched to our new uh, system here, everything sounded a little more bass heavy to me. So I'm not sure what I'm hearing, but I'm hearing another tone coming in in the background behind all of this. I, is that Steven doing another track? Uh, just when I paused it there? Yeah. Steven's got a scream going on there. I, I think you also hear that kind of electric piano a little more prominently in this section too. Oh, okay. Yeah, it might be. I like that. It's it's adding a really nice, uh, just another layer to the song that we don't normally get. And uh, for an ending song, that's pretty cool. It's it's a good, uh, like, pronounced piece for the end of the album. I tell you, like, it's usually kind of weird to end an album on a ballad. Mm -hmm. But Aerosmith did it twice in a row, and both times, I think, work impeccably well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's get a little Joe Perry in our lives here. My only negative on this one would be the fade out. I, I, I wish I saw it because it was building, right? It was building, it was building, and Joe was playing great. And then it started fading out. And then you had this really cool uh, Joey Kramer uh, drum fill that you could barely hear. It's like, just you should have led into that drum fill and into a big like concert ending and end rocks with a bang. Would have been my only note. Uh, the fade out bugged me a bit, but that is a minor nitpick. What did you think? I think it's almost done by design um, because you want to chase, you want to follow where that music is going. And the only choice that you have because they lock you into a fade out is to just put the album back on, like turn it back over to side A and listen to it again, because you want more. And uh, so I think, I think that's probably more strategic. I thought that was a fantastic solo. You know, it's, it's when you think about where a guitar sits for most people, it sits right over their guts. And that's the part you pick. And you, you almost feel like he's really just playing what's inside him at that moment. 
I think that's some fantastic playing, but I agree that, that I wish I could follow it and find out what else he played because he's playing with some real feeling there. A fantastic way to end the album rocks home tonight uh, on VH1's That Metal Show with Eddie Trunk. Uh, the panel declared it to be number one on their top five greatest power ballads of all time. Wow. Pretty high praise. Yep, absolutely. Uh, was it a big uh, hit uh, back in the day? I think it reached number 71 in the U.S., number 82 in Canada. But it was a single, which means if it is going to go on the mixtape, it's going on side B, which is our all-time Aerosmith top nine. Currently on that side of the mixtape, we have Let the Music Do the Talking, Chip Away the Stone, The Other Side, You See Me Crying, ironically enough, Crazy, Eat the Rich, Mama Kin, Shut Up and Dance, and Deuces Are Wild. Scott Hask and I went first last week, which means it's your turn. So, do you believe Home Tonight deserves a spot on the mixtape? And if so, what does it replace? Okay, I'm not a fan of that idea that I had last week now because I have to go <laughs> first on this song of all of them. Um, yeah, this song, I mean, it checks all the boxes. It's just, it's got feeling, it's got emotion, it's got power. Uh, and we didn't even talk about, you know, how, how solid Joey was on this. Um, yeah, just a great song. I, I would be tempted to replace you see me crying but i think you see me crying has a broader range of emotion i think it's got the better ending and so i'm gonna say i don't think it, it i don't think i would change it but what do you think well i tell you we were right along the same thought process and that we have two songs that are very similar um in home tonight and you see me crying and i was thinking does home tonight surplant you see me crying for me and the answer i came up with is yes uh, nothing against you see me crying i just like home tonight a little bit more i like that it's a little little heavier a little more intense i like the production of it a little more um there, there's sections of you see me crying that i don't know fall a little flat for me even though it's a tremendous song and one of my one of the best off toys in the attic um i, I can't even really try and convince you because for me it's more of a personal preference i think i like home tonight uh, a little bit better there's just you know lyrically the way it kind of ties into dream on and actually i was reading that uh in live performances steven tyler would actually perform a little bit of home tonight before he went into dream on because there's such a a connect with those two songs and i'm thinking on a mixtape you know i'm I'm gonna assume dream on might make the top nine of our mixtape wouldn't it be cool to have home tonight lead into dream on just like they kind of do in concert i think that'd be really great uh you see me crying is great more of a kind of a piano ballad i don't know if the band stands out as much on that one to me as they do on home tonight even though the baseline was just good not kick ass mm -hmm. uh drums were solid the guitars were really fucking great on this though and i love the dichotomy between the two guitar solos between the two guitarists this is a, yeah. a great song that showcases that if you're doing a song that encompasses everything that is brilliant about aerosmith you know you, you got to have a kick-ass bass solo on there you got to have a, a joey kramer outstanding track you got to have a steven tyler which uh, you know arguably we, we put on with site for sunrise last week mm -hmm. so you know you see me crying musically is that better than home tonight i don't know do uh steven sorry steven do joe and uh brad shine more on you see me crying than they do home tonight i don't think so that's why my vote would be for home tonight and i know that you weren't a big fan of the orchestral instruments i think you were okay with the strings maybe and not the brass uh so much if i remember right mm -hmm. uh yeah you know i i have to say and I can't believe these words are coming out of my mouth. And I do not blame the lack of sleep. I have to, I think your argument's valid. Um, 
the thing is that this is more of an Aerosmith track than You See Me Crying. And the reason I say it is because it's more their wheelhouse. They don't do a lot of let's add a string section and let's let's add some solo, you know, uh, woodwinds and, and brass and that. So I um, I'm going to agree with you. I think it, I think it goes. Uh, I think we take out You See Me Crying and we put in a uh, little home tonight. There you have it, folks. You See Me Crying off the mixtape replaced with home tonight i feel good about that and I'm, i was looking at the mixtape thinking there's about four songs on here i'd take off before you see me crying i'm surprised that one went first but i, I agree there's only room for one and I, i'm yeah. I, I liked home tonight better and musically i thought it was a little bit better like you said the strings and all it felt more like a steven tyler solo track mm-hmm. not that there's anything wrong with that this felt more like an aerosmith track and uh typically i'm more rocks guy than i am toys guy so maybe i was slanted that way a little bit too but it could be, but I, I think it really comes down to a couple of main things that you said, and one is the solo trade-off. Um, I, I think that that, uh, that was very important, and I think the, um, the fact that just the, the orchestral stuff is not their wheelhouse, that's a, that would be if we were doing a bonus track, I would say maybe to consider it as, as one that you would throw on in a re-release, but to say ultimate representation of the band. I don't think it would be the right song. There you go. We are in agreement. Home Tonight is on the mixtape. Uh, but that means, Scott, on the dice. Oh, first, we got to do something else. We haven't done this yet since John left the show. Oh, I know what you're doing. That's right. Mm-hmm. Do you know how many times Aerosmith performed Home Tonight in their career? Pretty old song. Yeah. And, and you already said that they would lead it in. So well, he would play it. So. He would play a snippet of it. Mm-hmm. Well, did, did that, they ever okay, play it so, all the way through? Yeah, because I'm looking at the list here. I don't know if they're counting snippets. Okay, so all the way through, but it is like their third album, right? So I'm going to go with 117. 117. Well, according to Setlist.fm, all the way through, they've never played it. <laughs> <laughs> so you were 117 off i i see how your math worked out to where you don't think they took uh partial credits <laughs> i got a pretty good idea they've never played it or they're not counting partial wow because it's not on here this and this would have been a great closer i know right because they could have put that concert ending in there you know it feels like an end of the show kind of thing huh and I'm, sometimes setlist.fm is goofy. I'm just going to check another section here. Okay. And, and going another section. And yeah, the last child, back to the cell, rats in the cellar, looking to promise, get the let out, six of the dog combination, nobody's fault. They hadn't played. According to setlist.fm, they've never played home tonight. But will they? That's the question. <laughs> Break it out on the <laughs> farewell tour, boys. I think that would be phenomenal. But man, yeah, I would they, travel. Like, I would, I would where, where are they playing? I, I would go. Yeah, if they were doing this Metallica style where Metallica's doing those two nights and, and no oh, yeah. duplicate song uh, venues, I, I, I think it would stand a chance. But man, I, I'm just afraid that this whole thing is going to be all hits because they're going, you know, one night in each city. If you don't do those songs, you're going to get hollered at. So I kind of feel like they're pigeonholed to, to limit themselves to that with maybe one or two surprises. And they only do 18 songs a show. Think about us with the mixtape. I mean, even just with the hits alone, it's going to be hard to narrow it down to nine. Oh, yeah. Uh, their average set list last year was Back in the Saddle, uh, Walking the Dog, Same Old Song and Dance, Ragdoll, Brian, Loving an Elevator, uh, Stepping Out, which is a cover, Stop Messing Around, which 
Joe Perry has been playing for like the last God, it seems like 160 years. Like, please get rid of that song. Yeah. Do something else, Joe. You got some. Do Bright Light Fright for fuck's sake. Yeah. Then they got Hangman Jury, Seasons of Weather, The Other Side, uh, Toys in the Attic, Living on the Edge, Don't Want to Miss a Thing, Sweet Emotion, Do Dream On and Walk This Way. So there's a couple of spots there where they could put in swing songs. Just say, you know what? The the second song in every show, and they, they used to mix up the 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 opener too. They do Eat the Rich. They do Back in the Saddle. Um, you know, all sorts of different openers, but you know, maybe that second slot, maybe the seventh slot, uh, you know, mix it up. You know, you don't need a big production on like the Motley Cruz excuse. They asked them, are you going to change up the set list? And they said, no, it's going to be the exact same show every single time. And their excuse is because they have video elements and lights and stuff pre-programmed in. The truth is because they're playing the tracks and, and, yeah. and they can't m mix it up. Right. Mm -hmm. Aerosmith, to my knowledge, doesn't play the tracks. So you know, mix it up, uh, put, put, put home tonight in there. Like, Oh, the fans would love it. Instead of hearing like stepping out or stop messing around for the 900th time. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's such a weird thing to me that people are just, they want to hear all those hits. If you're, you know, especially if you're, if you're poning up to go on this tour with the band, I would think that you would want to hear some stuff that you can't get on a live album. <laughs> yep. Could not agree more. Uh, Scott Haskin, before we go tonight, you yeah. have to put a song on the dice. I'm going to go back to Honkin' on Bobo, and I'm going to pick an Aretha Franklin cover song, Never Loved a Girl, which is such an ironic title for Steven Tyler. Well, and, you know, originally it was Never Loved a Man. And so, mm -hmm. uh, are, are you a fan whenever, uh, let's say, a male artist does a, a female artist cover and, and changes the, the sex uh, in the song? Um, I've done it when I was doing covers. Um, I, I think that like I, I did, uh, when I was playing solo shows, I actually did. Don't you want me by the human league. And oh. so for the, uh, for the last verse, when it comes to the female, uh, part, I actually sang it in uh third person. She was instead of I was, um, so, you know, you, you do what you have to do to make it work. I think, uh, it's just going to be interesting to hear them do an Aretha Franklin song. I would say to though, to answer your question, if it, if it makes sense without stretching the song, if you could do it in a way that, that still makes it coherent and, and reasonable, I think it's fine. If you're having to change too much or, or stretch too much, like I don't think I would do a cover of Shebop and call it Hebop. Oh, <laughs> you know? why not? Or guys just want to have fun, you know? Uh, I think there's some that it just doesn't work with. But if, if you could make it work and reasonably, I, I don't see anything wrong with it. You know, if you got time in your hands, I really want to hear those covers now. Scott Haskins, <laughs> Hebop. Uh, nevertheless, uh, currently on the mixtape, now is uh, Never Loved a Girl, uh, a great old standard from Honkin' on Bobo. All right, my friend, that does it for this week. Uh, what do you got coming up, and where can the fine folks find you? Well, uh, let's see. We're in August, so I'm uh, a little bit on hiatus while I move the Haskin Cast podcast to the new uh, distributor. And then uh, after that, I'll be working on a new album, but you can uh, enjoy music, books, uh, short films I've worked on, all kinds of things. If you go to my website, scotthaskin.com. Perfect. And you can uh, enjoy our Aerosmith page too. That's right. Uh, with all the links uh, right there in a nice handy little section for you on the Aerosmith page, catch up on old shows, uh, except for the negative ones. People don't like that, but we're pretty positive on a lot of songs. So maybe click on those. And uh, hopefully you're a fan of this one. We're very positive on home tonight that's three weeks in a row we've put songs on the mixtape so yeah. we get rid of john and all of a sudden we're just changing mixtapes left and right this is crazy <laughs> i did not expect this would happen i i was every week i'm like i what's going to make the mixtape what's going to be better than what we have and boy we're we're swapping things out quite a bit now it feels like a really different show 
I know. I'm digging it. And uh, we're going to dig it again next week. So join us then when Scott and I roll the dice and uh, listen to another classic Aerosmith track. But until then, on behalf of Scott Haskin, my name is Corey Morissette saying thank you very much for listening. And as always, let's give the final word to Steve and Tyler. So long.